You are listening to the official podcast of Grace Atonement. Episode 1. In a divided world, what is needed most? And what part do you get to play? We'll find out as we explore today's episode, based on 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 13 to 18. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chris Childs. I've been talking to myself lately. I don't know if anyone else does this. I talk to myself. Usually, but no one else is in the room. Occasionally, others overhear it. But I talk to myself. And in the last few weeks, as we've been ramping up to the stressful election, I would say my talking to myself has been politically oriented. Publicly, I, I, I try to be extremely neutral, as neutral as I possibly can. Personally, I have views and, and beliefs and values at stake, just like everyone else does. And I can tell you some of my, some of my talking to myself when I'm driving down the road in the car and no one else is there to listen. Or as I'm eating, eating lunch. It could be characterized as political grandstanding. It could be characterized as me just shouting out about the way I see the world and the right answer is that if people would just call me up, if all of our politicians would say, hey, Chris, what should we do? I could let them. Here's the right way. It's this simple. But then, why look at all the problems in our world today? It occurs to me. I'm sure it occurs to you too. Politics and political grandstanding can't solve this. Last week, I told you in worship, I said, vote. Go out and vote. I've told many people this. I've said, I don't care who you vote for. I just want you to vote. And last week I said that as Americans, go out and vote. And I also believe as Christians, go out and vote. It's what we do. We vote. Why do we vote? We vote because we believe our world is better when God's values. I know different Christians see them differently. But when God's values influence the choices, the decisions, the way of life as a country. But this week, here's what I'm saying. I'm saying our politics can't solve the root issues in our world. And let's look at those problems that we have in this world. People are isolated in echo chambers. They don't hear one another. Here's what I mean when I say echo chambers. You and I and everyone else is drawn to listen to the same voices that agree with us. One person says, I'll only listen to news reports from this news station. Another says, I'll only listen from this news station. I try to, to hear a broad range of views. And so I... I try and click on articles online of, of different views, the stations I might not normally listen to, but because I'm curious what they say. And what does Google do? It says, oh, wow, Chris must be all in on that station. And so now, then I get a whole list of articles from that one, because Google assumes I must want to be in my echo chamber. 
And what happens in our echo chambers when we don't hear each other? What happens when I only listen to news that supports my views and I don't hear other people? I become anxious. I become angry, just like you. In our world today, in our nation today, people are not seeing or hearing one another. There's this point at which people don't understand how could someone have voted for the other candidate. There's reports of families saying, I don't know how we can ever be reconciled together. How could we come together at a table again after that person voted that way? We often don't even understand the world that other people are experiencing. Instead, what we're doing is we fight to prove that we're right. We argue, we put up our defense. Or maybe there's just fear of the other. I heard in the last week, I heard both sides saying this thing. I said, they, they both said, my side would never do a protest or riots, but the other side, I know, they're going to get violent after this if they don't. There's that fear of the other. And then there's this next level of avoiding the other. In any relationship, when you hit the point of avoiding, that's, that's rock bottom. That we can't even talk about the issues anymore. We have all of this isolation and combativeness in our society that we're hoping and praying will move forward and change. But that doesn't even touch the mental health crisis that we're in. You know we're in a mental health crisis before the pandemic hit. And now, after what, six, seven, eight months of this, and maybe another six, seven, eight months more, people who are in isolation are struggling. Many people you know are struggling much more than they let on. They need connection and community, and yet that same kind of connection and community is not safe in the ways that we've always done it before. And then we can look at racism in this nation. I used to live in a state where there are counties that African-American men and women knew those were not safe counties to enter. Just don't cross that county line. Racism is a real issue, and legislation on its own can't overcome the heart issue of it. The heart issue that, because of what's happening in our hearts, there are children who are born who won't have the same opportunities as other children because of the color of their skin. And it's a legislation issue for sure, but it's also a tremendous heart issue. I'm telling you, friends, this world, this world is not as God intended. This world is deeply broken. In my grandstanding, my political driving down the road, saying I'm crying cruise control so I don't speed up a little bit too fast as I'm my, my speech is ramping up. And one of my last political speeches I made from, from my, uh, my car, 
for my political grandstanding when no one was listening, I said this. I said, I don't feel compelled to run for president. Now, some of you right now are thinking, what are you talking about, Chris? What, why would you ever plan to run for president? I'll, I'll tell you, this has been a decision 20 years in the making. Why I found out how old you have to be to run for president. And at the next election, I'm going to be old enough to run. But I looked at what's going on in this world. And you're looking at it too. And I'm looking at how broken and divided this world is. And I'm convinced, I am absolutely convinced that politics is not the way that I'm gonna change the world. Instead, you know what compels me? The love of Christ. See, I'm convinced that God is more grieved about the mess that we're in today. If you look around this world, this world that I'm going to be raising my daughter in, she's two now. I look at how bad will things be when she's 12, when she's 22, when she's 32 and 42, raising kids of her own. I'm concerned that my daughter will grow up in this world, and I am convinced that God is more grieved about the mess that we're in than I am. I'm, I'm concerned for my daughter. God is concerned for every one of God's children. The way I see my daughter is the way God sees people who are Anglo, Latino, African-American, Asian, all over the globe. God sees this world and God's more grieved than I am. I'm convinced that we're still waiting for the victory over evil. That hasn't happened yet. I'm convinced that we are still waiting. I'm convinced too that God has already struck the death blow against evil in this world. Here's what I'm convinced by. You see all that's wrong in this world? I'm convinced that God is doing something about it. I heard people say at the beginning of this pandemic, they said, God, where are you when this stuff is happening? What's going on? If God is in control, then why is this stuff allowed? When some people have a better shot at life than other people, if God is in control, then why can this happen? I'll tell you by conviction. To say that God's in control is a little bit too simplistic. It says that God causes everything to happen and then prevents other things from happening. That's not the way I see the world. That's not what I see in scripture. But rather what I see is God's promise to make right all that's wrong in the end. I am convinced the love of Christ compels me. That God has already won the victory, but we are in the long wait right now. The deciding action has already taken place. One died for all. Christ died for all. And you and I, if we are in Christ, you and I, we are a new creation. Here's what that means. That means the old has gone and the new is here. 
Now, if you look at your life and I look at my life, I can see. And the way I get angry. And the way I get anxious. The way when I'm at my worst, I fall into old habits that aren't Christ-like. We can see that in a sense, the old has not gone, right? If we look around this world, that all that's evil in this world, there's so much hate and evil and people not treating one another as people. The old has not gone. And yet, I am convinced that the old has gone. I am convinced that in a sense, the old has gone because it doesn't have that same power that it once had because something new is around the corner that in Christ, God is at work in redeeming all that's broken in this world. That in me, there is an opportunity for a brand new start. In me, even when I find myself at my worst, even when I end the conversation and say, I shouldn't have said that. Even when I see myself spiraling into anxiety in this world, there is an opportunity for a new start to say the new has come. And I'm going to put on this new life that Christ has given me. That this world can be changed. In our scripture today, Paul continues and says, we can't keep on seeing people from this human point of view. If you look around at our world, if you look around at our, our interactions with people, you see the way that people see each other from a human point of view. Oh, you're Republican. Oh, you're Democrat. Oh, you voted for Trump. You voted for Biden. In Christ, we're called to see each other. It's something entirely different. You know what that takes? That takes slowing down. It takes listening to the other person. That takes stopping to the point of saying, I know that I have brokenness in me. And I have enough humility here to admit that I don't have it all together. And so it's okay that this person doesn't either. But let me be curious to understand what is going on in this person. Where are the places that Christ is at work in this person? whether they believe in Christ or not. See, we can't just keep treating people. And I see it. I see it from people on all sides of the political spectrum. I see it even from people on, from grace on social media. There's a lot of positivity. I see a few people, though, some negativity. I see my own temptations. When I see a really good good punch in the gut kind of meme and i think oh i can post that we can't keep seeing people from a human point of view we are ambassadors for christ christ jesus is making his appeal through us and now is the time right now in the middle of covid in the middle of a global pandemic in this chaotic time between election and inauguration, now is the time for you and I to represent Jesus Christ. Now is the time for us to not put obstacles in people's way as they, they have the opportunity to trust in Jesus. 
But if they look at us and they say, oh, no, your, your citizenship's really on earth just with this party. Your, your citizenship is not in heaven. You're not doing anything differently. That's going to put an obstacle in their way. And so for you and I, we're called to not put obstacles in any people's way. And it's not going to be easy for Paul. For Paul, he experienced suffering. For the first century Christians, they experienced being hungry and thirsty and imprisoned. They were beat for trusting in Jesus and proclaiming Jesus. For us, we're going to have it easier than them probably. Not like many Christians around the world who truly are suffering. But it's not going to be easy. But Christ gave us this ministry of reconciliation. That in Christ... God is reconciling the whole world to God. Not just Republicans or just Democrats. The whole world to God. And God's reconciling people to each other. And God has entrusted us with this message of reconciliation. Christ died so that those who live, they don't live for themselves, but they live for Christ. You and I are to live for Christ. What does grace do in a person's life? When someone experiences the grace of Jesus Christ, what happens? They experience reconciliation. They experience that the experience of being one with God. They get a fresh start that overcomes their guilt and overcomes their shame. You know what else grace does? It connects people together. I don't have the humility on my own to hear people who disagree with me. I just don't. But in Christ, in Christ, I can say, you know what? I have reason that I could feel guilty the way I heap guilt onto a person who disagrees with me. And I have reason that I could feel shame the way I might want to shame someone who disagrees with me. But in Christ, that's been taken away. So I don't need to heap it onto that person because I know if that person is in Christ, Christ can take theirs away too. And when that's taken away, we can hear one another. Anxiety can be healed. People can be connected in a way that deals with the mental health crisis today. I was talking to a counselor at one point. And what she told me was this. She said, you know why there's a shortage of counselors? Because the church stopped doing their job. You know, she said that. I was a little offended at first. She said, if churches would just connect people together in ways that care for one another really well. Connect people both in their congregation and outside of the congregation. In this community, in this world. Connect people together in a way that allows them to hear one another and support one another. That simple act of being connected, and we're seeing it's effective on Zoom and in person. Some people have told me the most meaningful, close relationships they've ever had have been through Zoom in this past six months. When the people of God connect people together. Anxiety can be healed. People 
can find fresh starts. So how's God called this church, this church called Grace to Help? Here's what we do as a church. We connect people together relationally. We engage people in the opportunities to actually listen to others outside this congregation and to serve in the places that people need it most. Not in a way of saying, we have it all together, let's help you down here. But in ways of saying, neither of us have it all together. But somehow in us connecting and listening and working together, the world can be changed. And when we do that, people want to hear the message of Jesus. And we bring it to people where they are. Not saying, you come to us, maybe someday you'll come in and hear it. No, we go to them. So I'll ask you this. We said earlier, Paul said, Christ died so that those who live don't live for themselves, but live for Christ. Are you on the team? Are you part of this? Are you willing to take that step forward and say, you know what, God? I'm willing to be on the team. I'm willing to be part of this. I'm not a spectator. I'm not a pew sitter. I'm not a couch sitter. I'm going to hear the message, but then I'm going to live it out. Are you on the team? Are you going to use your skill? Whatever that is. Some people have computer skills. Great. Some people know how to take a picture on a phone. Great. That lets us get the message out to where people are. Other people are really good at sewing. Other people are good at woodworking. Others are good at team building. Others can lead a team that's serving in the community. We're looking at significant needs in our community over this next year. We need people who can be part of it, put hands and feet to it. Use your skill. This past week, you got an email that, that said, here's a survey. Would you fill this out? Answer four quick questions of how you can serve. A number of you filled it out. Thank you. If you haven't yet, you can go back in your email. You get another email this week with that same link because I don't want you to miss out on your opportunity to be part of the team. Jesus never said, I have come so that people can sit on a pew. Jesus never said, I have come so people can sit on a couch. People said, I have come so people can have life to the fullest. Jesus said, I have come so you can follow me. Even if it means taking up your cross. Even if it means doing the thing that you're nervous to do. But in all things, doing it with the way that God made you. Together, we are the people of grace. And together, this world will never be the same. Thank you for listening. If you found today's podcast meaningful, we invite you to subscribe to all of the podcasts from Grace Atumla. Grace is a congregation of the United Methodist Church located in Otumwa, Iowa. For more information on this podcast, or other information on the Ministries of Grace Atumwa, you can find us on the web at www.graceotumwa.org. Thank you for listening.